Hey friends, nice to see you all. Um, at Providence, we read the Bible because we believe that it's the Word of God. So um, it's, the Bible is primarily the way that God's, God makes known to us His love for us, um, His plan for our lives, and His plan for the world as well. So it's something that we take very seriously, um, and we do pray that the Spirit will help us to understand the words that we, we are reading today. We are going to read from Ecclesiastes 11, verse 9 onwards. Um, and in a way, it's the summary statements of the teacher as he wraps up this book and as he investigates yeah, what is true, what we are living for, and what's really important. So I invite you to read with me now from 11, verse 9 onwards. You who are young, be happy while you are young, and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see, but know that for all these things God will bring you into judgment. So then, banish anxiety from your heart, and cast off the troubles of your body, for youth and vigor are meaningless. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain, when the keepers of the house tremble, when the strong men stoop, when the grinders cease because they are few, and those looking through the windows grow dim, when the doors to the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades, when people rise up at the sound of birds, but all their songs grow faint, when people are afraid of heights and of dangers in the streets, when the almond tree blossoms and the grasshoppers drags itself along and desire no longer is stirred, then people go to their eternal home and mourners go about the streets. Remember him before the silver cord is severed and the golden bow is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring and the wheel broken at the well and the dust returns to the ground it came from and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Everything is meaningless. Not only was the teacher wise, but he also imparted knowledge to the people. He pondered and searched out and set in order many proverbs. The teacher searched to find just the right words, and what he wrote was upright and true. The words of the wise are like goads. They're collected sayings like firmly embedded nails given by one shepherd. Be warned, my son, of anything in addition to them. Of making many books, there is no end, and much study wearies the body. Now, all has been heard, here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God, and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. And that's the word of the Lord. Our Heavenly Father, we do pray that you'll be with us as we sit under your word, as we hear from it, as we understand what it looks like to be people living in this world under you, under you as our God. We do pray, Lord, as we look at life and see the fleeting and, and tempor temporariness of it all, that you will help us to uh, see that you are an eternal God and that you give us meaning and purpose. You give us pleasure and you give us um, so much more that we're looking for in this world, but you give it to us for eternity. And that's so much greater, something we can look forward to. So we pray today as we sit under it, that you'll remind us of those truths, that your spirit will uh, lead us to you into a deeper relationship with you and that we can understand what it looks like to live in this world as your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So there was a, a clickbait article that came up about 
beauty industry professionals on my Facebook account. You might be wondering why an article like that came up. It was about beauty industry professionals who work with celebrities and sharing their secrets on how to make celebrities look beautiful, look young. And this is what I read in the clickbait article. According to beauty industry legend, Trish McAvoy, she says, what time takes away, we can bring back with makeup. Fascinating, isn't it? You don't like those wrinkles that come with time? Let's put some makeup on it to reverse time. <laughs> we, we read about in fairy tales or legends about people on the search for the elixir of youth. We read about how we want to stay young all the time. Nothing like it truly exists. So you know what? Instead, let's come up with beauty products that help you feel young, that make you look young. The body shop, in, you know, they have a youth serum. I looked this up. <laughs> they have a youth serum. You know, you get in drops and it's called drops of youth, right? You can put it on your skin, apply it to your skin. It's the next best thing, right? You can't get an elixir of youth. Well, you know, drops of youth, try it instead. I find it so fascinating. I mean, as a guy, I find it so fascinating. Don't hear me wrong, you know, use makeup, don't use makeup, it's up to you. But interestingly, right? None of this is pushed as hard or, or marketed as strongly to, to our gender as men. Yeah, I've tried face masks before, you know, because Heidi encouraged me to. And, you know, when I went to Korea, the face mask everywhere, so I wanted to try just to have a nice night of pampering myself. You know, and I do think, Ben, we should tone and cleanse and moisturize at the very least. Wash your face. Groom yourself, please. But this idea, this idea of having youthful looking skin, anti-aging, anti-wrinkle serums, it's pushed so hard, isn't it? It's pushed so hard on women. I read an article uh, released a couple of years back by a female author, Danielle Pender, and she writes about how even in today's world, our, our modern, postmodern progressive world, we're still so obsessed with looking young. She doesn't understand. We care so much about being progressive in the West, but we still, we still only put youthful looking women on the front covers of magazines. You know, I mean, the only 50-year-old that I often see on the covers of magazines you might see is, is Jennifer Aniston because apparently she doesn't age. Anyways, in this article, Danielle writes this. She says, The narratives women are repeatedly told about getting older are full of fear, a loss, and irrelevance. And as a result, we routinely internalize that the one thing a woman should not do is age. We are so conditioned to be obsessed with youth and the promise of the new that we look at older women and demonize anyone we see as failing at the age game. Wow. She writes about how, how more and more women are getting Botox these days because we want to look like our filtered selves, you know, the stuff we put on social media, the Photoshop women that we see on the front covers of magazines. And this is what marketing does. Now, yes, that the whole makeup and youth serums are, are marketed hard towards women, but for men, think about the culture around you. <laughs> Push past 30, hit your midlife crisis, and all of a sudden you want to buy a new car. You want to get a jet ski for some reason. You want to buy a Jeep and go off-road. You want to hide the Himalayas so you can feel young again. Go skydiving. Buy more big boy toys. Don't grow up. That's boring. Get more of the latest tech and gadgets. Get the new virtual reality headset. I don't know. Go play golf. That's what a lot of people do. But all the while, don't let yourself go, right? Marketing tells us, train hard, go to the gym, get a body like Chris Hemsworth. Don't let age stop you. Continue to eat man-sized portions of food. 
even if your stomach can't handle it anymore. And all this marketing, whether we're men or women, guess what it's telling us? There's a narrative behind it, isn't there? The narrative, the narrative is don't age because aging is bad. <laughs> don't grow up. Instead, get sucked into consumerism. Here's a new toy. Here's a new serum. Aging sucks. Aging is going to mean you lose beauty. Aging means you're going to lose the appeal you had when you were younger. We all feel it, don't we? We start questioning what is the point of it all. We deal with our midlife crisis and we wonder if life is, is, is really just all about getting old and one day dying. Is that it? Will, will consumerism save me? And generally, we, we see, don't we, that people just accept the misery of life. We just have to go through life. And this is how it is. We go through it with a sense of despair, a sense of unfulfillment. We get by in life. It is what it is. We hear that all the time, don't we? But on the flip side, we see some people choose to live a life on the edge instead. Splurge, live it up, max out the credit cards. It's the only life we have, so make the most of it while you can. Two sides of a coin. It's people often, I guess, extremes of how people would respond to how they see their lives. But what if we could approach life, growing old, the anxiety of aging with a wisdom? What if we could approach it with a wisdom from God? What would a life like that look like? Ecclesiastes is a book that contains teachings from a king, a wise king, who has experienced it all. And it's really interesting, isn't it? Because he reflects on the human life in this world, or as he phrases it, life under the sun. We're at the last chapter today and last sermon, but as we hear from uh, the teacher today, we're hearing what we're all feeling and what the media and marketing around us screams at us. That there is something meaningless to this life, isn't there? Something fleeting, something so temporary. So let's stay young. Stay young as long as possible. Let's hear how the Bible says it. Let's see how the teacher in Ecclesiastes, the preacher, puts it. Chapter 11, verse 9. You can follow along with me. He says, You who are young, be happy while you are young. Let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart, whatever your eyes see. But know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. So then banish anxiety from your heart. Cast off the troubles of your body, for youth and vigor are meaningless. Enjoy your youth, he says. Embrace the fact that you can eat all the greasy food you want and your body can handle it. <laughs> Embrace the fact that you are the most fit and flexible you'll ever be. Enjoy it. Enjoy the, the pleasures of life. Seize the day. Carpe diem. Do it while you're young because there are less risks. You're more carefree. Be bold. Be courageous. Try new things. Follow your heart, he says, and whatever your eyes see. Interesting, right? We read that part and it sounds dangerous. I mean, it sounds dangerous. It would be dangerous to, to tell a 17-year-old Mikey that message. I mean, someone, uh, if you told me that message when I was 17, you know, you'll find me with a fake ID getting into nightclubs, popping pills, trying to pursue pleasure in every experience. Eat and drink and be merry. But that's not what he's trying to convey alone, is he? He doesn't say live life and be foolish with your life. If we read this in line with the rest of what Ecclesiastes says, yeah, enjoy your life and enjoy the gifts God has given us, uh, but live and enjoy it under God. The God who will bring your actions under judgment, he says here in chapter 11. Enjoy life and be joyful with your life, but live 
in God's created world under God's sovereign rule. Joy is to be pursued within the boundaries set by his goodness and the boundaries set by God. There is a moral accountability, isn't there? We can't just live wildly and have chaos in our world, live selfishly without regard to our neighbor, can we? I mean, if you didn't believe in God, you still live by rules in society, don't you? There are rules for peace and order. The laws tell you not to speed because you can endanger your life and the lives of others. The laws during COVID-19, wow, new laws that you have to stay home. You can't use playgrounds. You can't eat a kebab on a park bench. You can't have parties in your house. We can only have weddings or funerals with, with, with X amount of guests. Go on lockdown. The laws were put in place for what purpose? For our safety, for the safety of others, for order, for, for peace. We need to live within the boundaries set for our good and the good of others. And God sets those boundaries for us, doesn't he? And he does it for our good and for the good of others. He does it for our joy even. And so when we come before God, isn't that the same? He set his boundaries. He, he's, he's, he set people in the Old Testament, in Israel, his people, they were seen, uh, the boundary lines were seen in the laws. The Ten Commandments, the book of the law, they're summed up being a, a people who will honor and love God. Be a people who will love your neighbor. They're for our good, for our joy, for the good of others. And so yes, live and enjoy your youth, he says. Joy is to be pursued. God isn't a killjoy. He wants us to embrace life and the years we have on this earth because youth, guess what? It's going to be meaningless. It's going to be temporary. Remember this word in Hebrew. The word is havel, right? It's, it's translated better as fleeting, a, a mist, a vapor, ephemeral, ephemeral, like when it's cold in the mornings, right? And you breathe out that smoke and it, you know, it comes out and, and that breath, you can see it for a moment. You want to grasp hold of it, but then it vanishes. It evaporates. I mean, that's what it's like. That's what this word meaningless is like, is, is meaning here. It's, it's fleeting. It's like a vapor. Being young, it's like a vapor. It comes and goes. It says, make the most of it. Enjoy the gifts God has given you. Enjoy that youthful body, that youthful mind that you have. Don't take it for granted. If you're anything like me, you're going to start getting back pain in your mid-20s. Your eyesight will worsen. Man, I rely on these all the time now. You might already be graying on top. And if you're there, that's cool. Embrace it. Embrace age well. It's all part of life. But if you're young, enjoy it while you can. You have permission. But do it under God. Throw off the troubles of the future for now. You know, throw off the troubles of your aging body. Enjoy the moment because it's fleeting. Blink and tomorrow you're going to be 35 like me. <laughs> or wishing you still were in your mid-30s. You see, that's how it all starts. Chapter 12 starts with that, right? Remember your creator, he says, in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Uh, he's not saying to make you feel depressed if you are aging like me. He's being realistic. It's going to get more challenging or troubling as you get older. We got to be real with ourselves. I can't break dance anymore. I'm too old for that. You know? we got to be honest with us. I, I, you still dance for sure, but you know, eat good food. Yes, do that. But let's be honest, you can't eat like you used to, right? Oh, man, I remember how much I used to eat at buffets. Sadly, it's wasted on me now. You know, 
when I get to, to my bucket of KFC, three or four pieces at max, but in my 20s, man, seven or eight before I get sick, I'm sure like guys like Shane, you're probably eating the whole bucket still. I just can't do it anymore. I don't have the same pleasure as I used to have eating that much KFC. I'm gonna be real with myself, but that's okay. With age comes reality and we all have to face that bodies can't do as much as they were once capable of. We might have to one day rely on a walking stick. We might have to get our kids to teach us how to use technology. Man, that will be a sad day. We might not be able to do as much because of our back pain. I asked Heidi the other night, what does she fear about getting old? My wife, Heidi, she said, you know, I said to her, is it, is it going to be losing your hair, losing teeth? She said, as someone who dwells in the past, her fear of growing old isn't the wrinkles or hair loss, but it's the memory loss that she might forget loved ones. She might forget important highlights and moments in her life. She fears not being independent and having to rely on someone else to help her do her daily tasks. She fears going deaf, not being able to listen to music anymore ever again. Wow. That's sad. It is sad, isn't it? Aging. There are realities we all might face one day as we age. The trouble he speaks about is just, is just like our eyesight. Things are going to fade away. Life is short. And so he goes on from, from verse 2 to 7, chapter 12. He uses these examples of how the lights in the sky go dark. Or when, when those in the house grow dim, the, the sounds grow faint, and the picture of creation, it's one that ages and fades away. Eventually, the cord is severed. The bowl is broken, he says. The dust will return to the ground where it came from, and our spirit will return to the Creator. Our spirit will return to our God who gave it to us. He uses this poetic imagery to describe our death. He's painting a tragic picture, to be honest, one where there'll be darkness, terror, where we'll cease to exist, and there'll be mourning in the streets when we're gone. But he finishes this chapter, doesn't he, from verse 8. He says, meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Temporary, temporary, fleeting, fleeting, everything is fleeting. You know, this is how he started the book. If you go back to chapter one, verse two, how does it start? It says, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, everything is meaningless. Everything is fleeting. Everything is like a breath. Here today, gone tomorrow. Between chapter one and chapter 12, you know, pleasure, work, finances, even our youth, all these topics have been covered. Our very lives themselves, what do we get? Why do we get so caught up in them? Why do we get so anxious? It's all fleeting in the end. He's giving an honest, realistic approach. He's giving observations of the world around us. Everything is temporary. Isn't this thesis so accurate? Over these last six weeks, we've, we've been able to identify that, haven't we? In our missional communities, if we, we've been gathering each week on Zoom. We've been talking about it, how these things are so real for some of us. Everything is fleeting. Sometimes it feels purposeless, meaningless. <clears throat> everything comes and everything goes. We can't hold on to pleasure forever. We try to, as, as we dwell in nostalgia, but it never actually satisfies us. It's not the same. We can't hold on to money forever. We get old and some young, ungrateful punk will benefit from our riches. Our status, our careers, sure, you might reach the top of the corporate ladder. You might become the head honcho, but then what? What's there? You'll eventually just get replaced by someone younger, smarter, sharper than you. We keep running the treadmill of life, don't we? It's so hard to get off, 
but with wisdom, don't we, don't we feel this, this existential cry? What is the purpose of it all when nothing truly lasts? And we'd be left in despair. Or we'd live the foolish life trying to find purpose if there wasn't a God that showed us what our purpose is. You see, the teacher throughout Ecclesiastes has kept pointing us back to God, showing us where we can find a deep meaning and purpose, where we can find something that's lasting, not temporary. He's the one. It's in him. He's the one who makes it all make sense. The one who is our creator, the one who designed our world as it is. The one who knows our tomorrow and takes care of our today. The one who says, enjoy the life I have gifted you with. The one who leaves us with, with breadcrumbs, right? In the form of good gifts, like, like good sex and marriage, like good food on our plates, like good friends and jobs that we can work in. God gives us all those things we can, why? So we can be pointed back to him our great giver of those good gifts, our creator, the one who injects meaning, the one who lays out the boundaries of our lives on this earth, the one who designs things for our good, for our souls to delight in and to enjoy, the one who truly is far more glorious than anything under the sun. God calls us to live a life of wisdom under him, not a life of misery, not a life of evil under the sun, which is what we experience. And so the author He's writing uh, the, the words of the teacher to us. And at the end of Ecclesiastes, he comes out and he speaks. He says, not only was the teacher wise, from verse 9, not only was the teacher wise, but he also imparted knowledge to the people. He pondered and searched out and set in order many proverbs. The teacher searched to find just the right words, and what he wrote was upright and true. The words of the, wo- the wise are like goads. They're, they're collected sayings like firmly embedded nails given by one shepherd. Be warned, be warned, my son, of anything in addition to them. Of making many books, there is no end, and much study wearies the body. Verse 13, now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. See, the author he comes out at the end, right, in this conclusion, and he sings high praises for this teacher and his wisdom. And but while we're given more understanding about life and meaning, the words are also like a goad. You know, it's that pointy stick that you poke cattle with to get them to move. They guide us through life. They bring us face to face with the reality. You know, sometimes it's painful. The goad, a goad would be painful, you know. And so the teacher wants us to see that there is going to be pain. There's going to be struggle that this life will give us. The feelings of futility and sorrow will appear in life at times. But while it may be tough to digest, the conclusion of the matter is simple, he says. Fear God. Keep his commandments. This is our duty in life. Ultimately, God, our creator, will bring it all under judgment. You see, we can go through life. And you can go from one thrill to another. You can seek pleasure like a hedonist that lives only for the purpose, only for that purpose. But you're going to find at some point the lights go out, the party ends, and pleasure won't satisfy Sure, you can go through this life and let your work determine who you are. Perhaps you're, you're finding meaning and purpose in your work. You know, the identity you carve out in this world, it'll give you meaning and purpose, but face redundancy one day and you'll be shattered. We'll get to the top. You'll realize it's a lonely place because all your hours were spent in the office. Life has just passed you by. Sure, you might want to live for money. Money doesn't buy you happiness. It won't give you the security you're looking for. We all have a love-hate relationship with money, doesn't it? Because never truly satisfies us. We never have enough. You see, this is where we're going to find enjoyment in life, living a life within 
God's boundaries, under God, fearing God, being able to see his greatness, living with a trust and respect under his rule. He says that's the duty. That's the purpose. That's what we're created for, the life we have. I mean, it's all a gift from God. So use this life to make much of God, to point back to God, enjoy the pleasures, eat and drink. Yeah, be merry, enjoy your spouse, your your family, your friends, your relationships, and do what? Praise God for it. Enjoy your work, enjoy your income, buy things, but also give your money and be generous to others to see them enjoy their lives too. That's where you'll find meaning in your money. Thank God that you have money, that you can use money to bring joy and use money to support others. We want to inject meaning into our lives. Well, God does it, doesn't he? Often, without God, what do we do? We consume and we consume for ourselves because we're living under the sun. We're living for self. We don't want to let it go. Staying young and youthful and beautiful comes with less responsibility. Staying young means more self-pleasure, more self-pampering, self-fulfillment. We're told that you know we can live the self-indulgent life, making the most of life. And so don't ever grow up. Just consume, but that's so basic, isn't it? <laughs> that's so mainstream. That won't actually fulfill your life anymore. That sort of lifestyle, it's futile, it's vain because it's going to end. You have to accept that you're getting old. We all have to accept that. It doesn't actually add more value to your life. Sure, enjoy the gifts, but you're never going to find purpose, deep purpose in that. When we live for God, that, 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 the God that we fear and love, that changes everything. It's not shallow. Life gets rich with meaning. We, we don't see our money as our own. We don't see our, our time as our own. We don't see all the gifts as merely an end to themselves for our own selfish consumption. When we live life under God, everything is given purpose. We can live for the creator, something bigger outside ourselves, someone greater, the one who is worthy of our very lives themselves. You see, that's wise living. The wise, they fear God, they keep his commandments. The wise live under his instruction. The wise live not enslaved to the meaningless, vain things of this world, but the wise live in freedom under a good God. Friends, this is so important as we come to the end of Ecclesiastes. Don't let these truths wash over you. Don't let the, the time we spend in Ecclesiastes be easily forgotten. Meditate on these truths as you face the trials of life. There'll be days where you find yourselves in dark places. Your, your heart will be crying out. We all have that existential cry at times. What is my purpose? What am I doing if I've, if I've lost my job perhaps? Where is joy found if, if my health has been taken away? What does it mean to be loved if my spouse has left me or friends have abandoned me? Where can I find freedom if I feel so enslaved to the pressures of life? Foolish living is living a lifestyle without God. Foolish living looks like one that just chases the wind, hoping to catch it. It's a misery, isn't it? It's an evil under the sun. But wise living, wise living begins with acknowledging there is a God. Acknowledging that we can live under him within the boundaries that God has set for us. Yeah, I know we don't like boundaries. COVID-19 has shown us we, we don't like boundaries, but we need them. See, God who created the world, he knows it. He sees it all. And, and he sees our world. And he knows the hearts of men and women. He knows the injustice. He knows the, the shortness of life that can be taken away so swiftly, like we saw with George Floyd this last week. 
He knows that we feel sorrow, that our bodies are fragile. We struggle with mental health. He knows that we feel lonely, that human love is always going to be imperfect. He knows all that. All of the dissatisfaction the human heart feels and experiences. Doesn't that give us a deep yearning? Doesn't that give us a deep desire for something, someone greater? You see, what if God who who knew us and, and knows the evil under the sun, the misery of our short and fleeting lives, put boundaries in? gave us laws to live by and instructed us to be a people who being aware that we won't live forever, instead of simply just being consumers, wanting to be young forever, instead we could simply spend our days being generous, being loving, being selfless, being faithful, because God knows that's what's best for us. Could we live that sort of life? A life where he, under his design, he, what if he designed our world and, and put us in this world to live under him within his boundaries for our good? What if he designed it to live under him for our joy? For the good and joy of others too. Friends, you and I, we get to have the privilege of living a full and abundant life for God. He is the greater narrative. Live for Jesus. He is the greater story. <laughs> He is worth it. Honestly, through this life, fearing God, keeping his commandments, that's going to be really hard. I'll be honest with you. We aren't going to do it perfectly. We'll fail at it. Our sin stands before us and God. We dabble in breaking God's laws with with our greediness, with our prideful hearts, with our selfish desires, with pursuing sex and status and security outside his boundary lines. And what it does, it distances us further and further away from God, our creator. And life ends up feeling so fleeting and futile. Nothing fulfills us. It's a vapor, but it's because we aren't living as God intended us to. We're not living under God. We're pursuing a foolish way of living. When we meet Jesus in the Bible, though, he shows us what living by God's law looks like perfectly. He is without sin. When he comes, he tells us to love God and love our neighbor. Well, you know what, Jesus? He demonstrated that perfectly for us. He lived up to God's commandments perfectly all the way to death on a cross. And at the cross, he took away the sin that distances us from God. See, only the Son of God can do that. He allows us to enter into God's presence. So now guess what? We don't have to feel the misery living under the sun. We get to have the privilege of living under the Son, Jesus under him who covers my sin with his blood. Now I can know God. I can have a real living relationship with God who will guide me through life. The God who will reveal reveal to me how to live with courage and purpose. A life that's wise, built upon his word and his good instruction. I mean, listen to what Jesus says. Go to Matthew 7 with me, if you can. If you flip to it, if you have time, or click on the link or go to BibleGateway.com, whatever you can. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Right, scroll down to it. It says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it flew and it, and it fell with a great crash. See, friends, Jesus tells us this. 
Wisdom is living and dwelling upon God's word within God's boundaries, fearing him, keeping his commandments. Jesus is echoing the words of Ecclesiastes here. Have faith, trust in the Son of God who has saved us, saved us from our sin by his grace, by his love. Our Lord, our Savior, he rescues us from the evil under the sun. He rescues us from the meaninglessness and the futility of our existence, the the fleeting nature of it. He's the one who injects purpose into our short aging lives in this world as he prepares our souls for eternity. Pursue that. Pursue a life that glorifies God in Jesus. That's our duty as humankind. To live a life that enjoys God, that's truly and ultimately satisfied in him alone. A life that can again and again again say, say thank you for all the gifts he gives us. For food and drink, relationships, finances, work, whatever season we're in. Whether we're, we're cruising through life or we're struggling with existential angst or in deep sorrow. When we ultimately find our satisfaction in God alone, guess what? This God, the one who created us, he's glorified. He's glorified when we're satisfied in him. That's what wise living looks like, friends. A life living for Jesus. It's not at all wasted. Consider the alternative. C.S. Lewis, he writes about in The Great Divorce, what it would look like if we were left to our own devices. We want our own autonomy, so we push hard against others, and our individualism becomes isolation. Our need for, for consuming self-gratification, what does it become? It becomes self-obsession. We damn ourselves, don't we? It's a meaningless, futile, fleeting existence if we live simply for self in these short 80 years in the timeline of history. Can I implore you? If you're tired of wandering around in the dark, trying to find meaning and popularity in your career, in your sex life, in your pleasures, in your money, aren't you tired of that? Aren't you tired of trying to chase the wind, thinking that you've got hold of it, but then seeing it slip through your fingers? Let me encourage you to really seek Jesus out. Come before God and pray to him. Say, God, show me who you are. Show me the beauty of Christ. Show me my sin and help me to recognize it, to come before you for forgiveness. Show me, show me through the scriptures, through the Bible. Show me what it looks like to live a life that glorifies your name. And in doing so, let me live out the purpose you've designed for me as I live in this world. Will you have the courage to pray something like that to God? You can rewind that. You can you know, repeat those words if you want. God wants good for you. He doesn't want evil. God wants joy for you, not sorrow. God wants abundant life, not a meaningless existence. Honestly, hands down, I'm not going to lie. When you come before God in that deep humility, you'll be left in great wonder. There is something, there is someone greater than yourself to live for. Friends, as we live under the sun, let's pursue a life under his word, under his son, Jesus, the one who brings us into the great presence of our great God, because it is through him, ultimately, that we're going to find meaning, something eternal, not fleeting. And life's path, it's not going to be shrouded with mist, but it's going to come into view with this clear, crisp, Technicolor 4K high definition. Will you pray with me? I want to pray that we will pursue a life of wisdom, one that doesn't see a life wasted chasing the wind, but pursuing things, you know, pursuing things that are fleeting or temporary, but a life that's full of abundant, 
pursuing the things of God, pursuing things that will bring us joy and uh, and be good for, for our joy and the good of others as well and for His glory ultimately in our world. Can I pray that? And will you join me? Let's do that now. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you created us, that you are our creator, God, that you designed everything for good, that there are things there are things in our world that we see sometimes that seem meaningless, that seem so fleeting. We go, we wander through the dark often, Lord, and we, and we wonder, what are we doing here? What is the purpose of it all? We see so much injustice in the world. We see so much fear. We see so much just confusion and, and, and we don't know what's going on sometimes. But we do pray, Lord, that you will help us to see your glory, your greatness first and foremost. You'll help us to see that we were created for a purpose. We were created to see that all the things that we get to experience in life, good relationships, food, finances, all those things, Lord, are good gifts from you. They're there to help us, point us back to you, our creator, God. And so we pray, Lord, as we see all those things, yet you'll help us to see them. You'll help us to keep coming back to, to you and come back to the cross of Christ that allows us to know you, have a relationship with you, and see that the greatest story is we get to be with you forever. We get to be with you for eternity. And that's what this life will point us to. So we do pray that, Lord. I pray that for our people. I pray that for those who are watching today. I pray that we'll come into a relationship with Christ and find that life is so much more abundant under the sun, under Jesus. We do pray for this in your son's name. Amen.